It's something we do all the time. We say that someone is being stubborn or passive aggressive or confrontational. It can be helpful to name a behavior that we believe that we're witnessing, because once we name it, we can better address it. But there's also a danger to applying a label on someone else when it comes to conflict. I mean, what if we're wrong? And what's a better approach? Welcome to episode four of How Can I Say This, where we talk about how to find the right words when words escape us. I'm your host, Beth Below, and thank you so much for joining me today. The word conflict can conjure up strong feelings in people, usually ones of dread, fear, or even feeling sick to their stomach. At the prospect of conflict, we want to turn tail and run in the opposite direction. It's a natural fight, flight, or freeze response, as we learned in episode one with Kern Berry of Pop the Bubble. The truth is, conflict is an unavoidable part of life. As long as there are people with different opinions, values, needs, and wants, there will be tension, and that tension will lead to conflict. The challenge is that we don't often have good modeling for conflict when we're growing up. It's not a standard subject in school curricula. We learn how to navigate it through painful trial and error. And that's a big reason why this podcast exists, to offer strategies and resources to help take away some of that pain. Consider me and my guests your tour guides for healthy conflict, providing support to help you feel more confident and less alone. My guest today is definitely a wonderful tour guide. Together we explore what healthy and unhealthy conflict looks like, how to be better prepared for conflict, and what to do with passive-aggressive behaviors. I'm pleased to welcome Cindy Noble to the show. Cindy is a former lawyer who currently works as a mediator and coach based in Toronto, Canada. She developed the Synergy Model of Conflict Management Coaching in 1999 and is author of two coaching books, Conflict Management Coaching, The Synergy Model, and Conflict Mastery, Questions to Guide You. Cinny and her team coach and train coaches, mediators, and others worldwide using her unique and well-researched model. She is passionate about helping people find their way through conflict and teaching others to do so. You'll find information on how to connect with Cinny on the episode page at HowCanIsayThis.com. Hi, Cinny. Welcome to the How Can I Say This podcast. I am really looking forward to talking with you. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Beth. Well, I want to start out, you know, as we heard in the introduction, you are one of the experts in conflict coaching and have a, a beautiful mix of both mediation and coaching that inform how you approach your work. And I want to start out with what is probably the most basic of questions, because I've learned not to make any assumptions. <laughs> and it's good to have, you know, a good starting base. Um, so how do you define conflict? Well, there are a number of ingredients of conflict. And I think of this as interpersonal dispute sort of thing. And I think when that happens, um, it's because we have incompatible needs uh, and interests, mm -hmm. uh, probably expectations, uh, incompatible expectations, mm -hmm. and different ways of interacting. And seeing things, how we view the world. Um, another ingredient is that in conflict, it's typical that one person sees the other person at fault and tend to make assumptions about their intentions. Mm -hmm. uh, another common ingredient I see is our negative emotions arise and they cause unrest and they often grow over time. It can be overwhelming over time. 
And another is that there are physical reactions. And all of those to me comprise when conflict is happening, and conflict doesn't happen without emotion. Mm -hmm. So if you have emotion about something, it's typical in my view that all of these other things are at work here. Yeah, yeah. So it's internal and individual. It's external and in relationship. Absolutely. That all of that happens, it sounds like. Yeah. And it seems like in order to be able to understand conflict, we have to understand all of those different factors at play and to even recognize, like, when am I getting triggered and what's going on with me personally, not just within the relationship? Yes, absolutely. I think that that, that's probably one of the best things any of us can do is to try to understand that piece of it so that our reactions will warrant what's going on, not what we think or assume is going on in our perceptions. I mean, perceptions are reality, and that's the Mm -hmm. truth, but it's looking deeper at the perception so that we don't operate from a negative place. Yeah. What are some ways that you have encouraged people to check out those assumptions or those perceptions? Yeah, usually it's asking questions. I think, you know, probably Mm -hmm. one of the best things any of us can do is to check out or be curious and to check out and to mm-hmm. say, tell me more about that or what it, what's that about for you or what's important to you about that. I think once we find that out, we will tend to face what's gone on or where we've gone to in our minds. It's typical when we're triggered that we go to a place of assumption. So yeah. if we can, when we're triggered, stop it and be able to ask more questions, it usually helps to deflect the um, where we go. Yeah. Do you hear my cat? She, <laughs> she decided to join us. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Yeah, Lucy. Um, so what would you say are some of the signs? I mean, probably people know intuitively, but sometimes we might not always be able to pick up on the physical responses that we have to potential conflict. We're generalizing, of course, but what are some things that somebody could look for that might tell them that something is brewing? Yeah, you know, sort of basic um, brain science, too, probably enters into this is, you know, when we get triggered, the part of our brain, the amygdala gets hijacked so that we are, our emotional part of us starts to take over. And that shows up in so many ways, including if we talk about it physically, our facial uh, language, our body language, looks on our face, our, our hands. There's some literature that says that um, when people get upset, it shows up on their body first. Mm. And I think we can all probably identify, at least in others, if not ourselves, when we can tell by looking at somebody. What happens, too, is that we our problem-solving skills and our decision-making and creativity, all of those things go down the toilet when we are hijacked. And yeah. that shows up in the way we communicate. So people might you know, stutter, talk quickly, um, blame. Like they're, they're coming from a place of having been uh, vote, not one that has, has moved to a, a, a reflective piece. So it'll show up on the body, the face, the voice, um, so many ways in my coaching clients that I can pick something up and say what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And that's where the curiosity comes in, that we can make assumptions about, about that. Yeah. If somebody's really in tune to someone else, like if you know them really well, you could probably pick up on the subtlest of body language and be able to tell, I dare say, even before the person knows that they're being triggered, like, hmm, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, just what, what just happened there? Or yes. I, I can tell you just something just reacted. What's that about? I mean, that's yeah. That, that's something that's that's so hard to do when we're feeling emotionally upset. But it's one of the best things we can do for ourselves and the other person. Yeah, like say, I just felt the energy shift here. You know, that's that's something I think I've yes. said with some coaching clients. And uh, yes. you know, something's yes. changed. What are you noticing? Yeah. And you're you're lending credence to this idea that sometimes you know the title of this podcast is how can I say this. 
and it's kind of focusing on how do we verbally address conflict. But it's, of course, that's not the whole story. And that's not what I want to imply that it's not just how, what do I say, but it's how, what is my presence? How am I self-managing my emotions? And, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, I just need to cool off, you know, take a walk around the block, remove myself physically from the situation Mm -hmm. in order to kind of recalibrate. Mm -hmm. And and you're reminding us that that is such an important element to this. It might sometimes, what can I say is nothing. (laughs) And it's removing yourself for a few minutes. Well, I I think that's true. I also think that, I mean, it's moving, I think, from reaction to reflection to response. So Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. you actually kind of think it out a little bit more. So yes, finding time to do that. Um, saying nothing doesn't always work. The other person might not understand what's going on. And so it's, right. it might be saying, I hear that's really important. I just need some time to think about it so that you, you mm-hmm. declare what you're doing and, and not walk away or, or ignore yes. or be silent. Silence can be golden, but it can also be detrimental to a relationship and to a discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're you're making me think of John Gottman and the four horsemen of the apocalypse yes. in relationships and stonewalling. And I can't remember if silence is one of them, but yes. or if stonewalling is part of that. But um, I'll have to include a link in the show notes to um, to that information yeah. because I think it's really part of conflict. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, one of the things that I also feel is important is to not always look at conflict as something that's a negative thing. You know, on a baseline level, like you said in the beginning, it's often about missed expectations or, you know, needs or interests not being met. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always have to be a negative thing in terms of what the conversation is. So I'm curious to hear from you about those were the ingredients of maybe unhealthy conflict or, you know, what what's happening in conflict that we perceive as negative. What do you see as the ingredients of healthy conflict? Yes, you know, I actually um, think and have spoken about the fact that we tend to see conflict in such a negative way. And in fact, if somebody is getting upset about something, it means that there is a very important value or need or some part of them or what they believe in that's being threatened or challenged or undermined. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we can not react to the negative energy that seems to be coming out, but instead, again, go back to being curious, we might find out instead that what's really important to somebody is something that we also would um, respect and honor, we might share. And so I think it's going back to being curious. And, And instead of attributing blame, ask more questions. What's going on for you, as I said earlier? Mm-hmm. Ability to calm ourselves when we are literally physically upset, our brain is upset, which would be what we just talked about is to take some time to reflect. So, a, a healthy conflict is when people are able to say, oh, I'm finding I'm getting upset. I want to talk about this. I don't want to be upset about it. I don't want to upset you. Mm-hmm. So you so you actually are admitting. Um, you reach out. A healthy conflict is when, when they're upset, you don't let it go so that you are stewing and making up things and going to places that are not necessarily what's really going on. And so healthy conflict uh, to me in, in that is that you don't, walk away from conflict. You're not afraid of it. If you need a timeout or, or you need to think about it, you say so. Um, and you look what's important to yourself. You know, mm-hmm. what is it that's triggering me? And to do some self-exploration. And that might, again, happen in the timeout. Uh, but it's 
I think instead of assuming things about the other person is making an assumption about yourself first. Something's really bugging me here. I need to think what that's out before I start attributing to the other person because that's often how we will go in all of that. You know, there's a great uh, quote that's, um, you don't have to attend every argument you are invited to. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I think that um, uh, rather than seeing things as argument or things that we have to engage in is to look at, you know, that seems to trigger something in me until we work that out. I found over time, and I wasn't always good at this, I and mean, we're all human, that when something bugs us, that we will carry it somewhere. And and that mm-hmm. that little journey is one that will carry us to a place that we don't really need to go. So it's kind of staying in the moment longer and being more uh, reflective about it. And um, I, I tend to do a, an exercise about looking at, why does that bother me so much? What's, what do I think is being undermined? What am I assuming? Because as soon as we assume about the other person, as soon as we attribute to them, we treat them that way. Mm-hmm. We think that that's what they are doing rather than checking it out. Yeah. And, we're, and rather than looking at the options and looking at what else could be going on here and what do I need to share with that person? I, I think one of, the, one of the things about healthy conflict, as you can tell I get going on this, <laughs> is, uh, is that there is something going on within us and within the other person that's starting to get stirred that we aren't honoring. We're not having the dignity and the grace to say, whoa, something's going on here. Let's think this out before this goes off the rails. Like something that engages the other person, that engages yourself in it. And I think that to me reflects a a way to look at conflict can be an important aspect of who you are, what you, how you want to be with the other person, what's important to the other person. And so that healthy way of approaching conflict, I think, is one of the biggest ingredients. Yeah. And as you're talking about this, I think of it in terms of personal relationships, but also professional ones, um, you know, in the workplace when you've got either creative people or strongly opinionated people and learning how to listen to one another and not jump to assumptions about maybe why somebody's digging in their heels about a particular idea. You know, we can project onto them and, and be like, it's all about them. And why are they resisting me? when sometimes we have to look inward as well and say, okay, so why am I resisting them, you know, or what's triggering them and what's triggering me? That person. It seems if we're able to approach those situations with, you know, more curiosity, check in where we have assumptions and expectations. If we assume best intent and enter into those with the idea that, oh, something better could emerge, then it seems like we'd be able to embrace conflict a little bit more than we do, especially between colleagues and in the workplace. I think that's right. But I think to get there, it's kind of doing this reflect the piece and saying, how am I contributing here? What am I doing? So what you were saying earlier, I think there needs to be, it's not one-sided. We're in it together. It's up to us, you know, keeping that united front about it, whether it's colleagues or family, Mm -hmm. I think it's the same principle. Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to turn to a listener question and get your take on it. And this came to me through Facebook from a colleague named Aaron. And the question is, um, it were, or the statement really, um, it would be interesting to explore passive aggressive behavior with someone who says they don't want to talk, but clearly has feelings. So what do we do when there's an important conversation to be had, but we know or sense that the other person isn't willing or ready to engage, especially maybe because there's a lot of emotional charge around it? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I So the starting point for me, actually, Beth, is that I don't think 
referring to somebody who's passive aggressive is such a great idea. I think mm-hmm. we're not diagnosticians, and I think right. we have to be careful because it goes to what I said earlier. We'll treat people the way we perceive them, and if we are in a position of calling them something, then that's likely that we're setting a little bit up. It's not so great. Yeah. I think the fact that there's feelings that are there, that someone has feelings about it, says that something's important to them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there might be some fear in them, too. We don't know what those feelings are, so the curiosity comes in here. But the fact is something's important to them, and it's very possible that we have uh, contributed, that they are afraid of telling us. Many people are conflict-averse, and so having a conversation is often seen as confrontation. So I think that we that there's a lot at stake. And I think that these situations, when, when we think there needs to be a conversation or, or that we know or sense that someone is not willing or ready to engage, mm-hmm. I think that that's the question to ask. And it's inviting someone. It may be, I sense you might not want to talk about what's going on between us. And I feel some reluctance too, but mm-hmm. I really want to sort things out. Um, when you're ready, let me know. So something that lets the person know. Um, and in a way that puts it out there as an invite. It's a reaching out. I'm open to clearing things up. Our relationship is important to me. And so it's that sort of uh, openness to letting the person know. And if the person doesn't want to, that's their right. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe what's seen as passive-aggressive is more discomfort with expressing themselves, mm-hmm. uh, afraid of crying, afraid of saying things that will hurt afraid of being hurt. There could be all kinds of things going on. So I think unless the approach is done with humility and dignity and a sense of letting the person know it's important and they get that it's important to the other person and are open to talking, and then not being attached to the fact that you have to do it. If yeah. the person doesn't want to, then then it's working with your head held high and saying, and I'm here if you want to, and I hope we can move on at some point, if it appears to be affecting the relationship, because it's a really important thing to me. So I think it's it's having that kind of conversation as a starting point. And if a person won't talk, then you can write or email or send a note or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think showing it's important to the person, is, is the one who wants to talk is important. What I do find in conference is, I, I used to do this too, is I'd reach out when people were not ready. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, um, and then I would I would feel rejected because they're like, you know, shoving me away. At least that's how I perceive it or experience it. So I think it's, uh, being more open to the idea that their level of readiness is not there and not to be pushing it. Yeah. So there's an element of meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really appreciate the sort of calling out that we can become sort of armchair psychologists or psychiatrists mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to diagnose what's going on with the other person. And we may or may not be right, but it's almost beside the point because those kinds of labels can really get in the way exactly. to relationship. Yeah. Well, it also goes to the fact that an assumption is being made. Yes. Um, that, yep. that, that the passive aggressive as opposed to shy, embarrassed, afraid, you know, something else mm-hmm. that might change the way we would approach the person. Yeah. There are too many kind of gaps in a conflict. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And so I think that that what we don't know about the other person, what they don't know about us, remains the elephants in the room. And unless we're prepared to ask the question and to hear what's coming at us uh, in a way that's op- open-minded and flexible, that we're, we can set ourselves up to be seen as whatever we're 
calling the other person. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yes. And I think of what you were saying before about, you know, the importance of looking inward as well and reflecting, you know, the self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone's not able to express their feelings with me, I feel like, okay, how am I contributing to that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think of like, am I creating consciously or unconsciously an unsafe space? Exactly. Sure. Where they don't feel like they can be vulnerable, and and what is my role in this dance yes. that's happening? Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for unpacking that a bit. You know, those any of these things that we're talking mm-hmm. about could be talked about for for long, long periods of time, and books have been written on them. So I I appreciate us being yes. able to just kind of do a, a touch on it. And my hope is that as listeners are taking this in, that it starts to give just a few clues and and uh, breadcrumbs, I guess, on the journey that you can do some more reflection for yourself and consideration and do some more reading and recognize that this is just kind of a, a tip of the iceberg yes. with a lot of these topics. So I just wanted to offer that little caveat to anyone listening. Right. <laughs> well, as we wrap up here, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and this maybe gets into, I, I'm curious about like how you prepare. I thought of it in terms of like how you might prepare someone for mediation or, or conflict coaching and they have a difficult conversation that's coming up. Um, what are one or two actions that someone listening can take in advance of a difficult conversation to set the stage for one that is productive and healthy? Yes. At most, many of my coaching clients actually uh, want to embark on is that and certainly in mediation, that's part of if I do a pre-mediation uh, coaching uh, to get people ready, mm-hmm. um, the importance of getting ready for conversation cannot be overstated. And I think one of the biggest actions is to be very clear on what you want as an outcome mm-hmm. and consider how you're going to align your words, your message to be consistent with that outcome. And so that gets to probably the second action, which is being very clear on your intentions and setting them, including not only the outcome, but what are the messages you want to convey? Mm-hmm. How do you want to be? How do you want to be perceived? Mm-hmm. How will you respond if you are you triggered? I think of it as the hows and whats of having conversation is being really clear on the what you want to do and, and how you want to do it. And I think that the exercise of getting really clear and even writing down the outcomes and the messages and Stating out loud, even mm-hmm. uh, you know, to what? It, how do you want to be? What do? You, what will you do differently here from when you've had a previous conversation that didn't work? You know, what have you learned that that is you can apply here? So it's really uh, spending that reflective time, um, being prepared and thinking, what is the other person going to say that I want to be prepared for? That might mm-hmm. just might derail things if I react in a way that is inconsistent with my outcome. So it's really playing it out in all of the possibilities of things that could uh, be problematic and to really clear about it and very uh, methodical about going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, nice. As a coach, I'm a big fan of setting intentions. And it seems that, again, you know, it's a blanket generalization perhaps, but since it's come up so much in this conversation, it seems some intentions that might be always a good fallback might be, I'm going to challenge assumptions my assumptions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to stay curious and I'm going to be present and listen mm-hmm. as, as best as I can. Yeah, unfortunately in conflict, it's so easy to listen only to talk, not to just mm-hmm. hear. 
Yeah. And to be able to say to somebody, okay, I need to just take that in and to, to really, really listen. And I think that's really hard. We talk about it a lot more than we do it. And I think yes. it's a really important part of it. But I, I do think when we're, we're triggered or we're excited or upset, that it's harder to listen. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's how do you prepare yourself to do that? Yep. Well, that to me sounds like the topic of another podcast conversation. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's right. So I hope that you will uh, join us again and we can maybe go down that road of talking about, you know, how do you actively listen um, when you are in that kind of charged emotional state? I think that would be a fantastic conversation. So I look forward to that. It's one of my favorites. Well, this is always, I mean, imagine thinking conflict is like the most fascinating thing around it. Why would you do that? But why Mm -hmm. do you think it? But Mm -hmm. I think that it's so interesting because I actually have seen people who who can shift how they manage conflict and I think there's so much optimism in in that that we if we can do that we can model great behavior for people around us yeah yeah I when I took my mediation training I remember on the last day looking around and there were maybe some 30 of us it was a rather large group and thinking like one of my big takeaways was just gratitude and feeling in awe of the fact that here were a group of people that you know, gave up 40 hours of their life, uh, you know, gave up money, gave up time and energy to actually step into and lean into conflict yeah. and learn how to do that and to, to be supportive and to facilitate others in becoming better with conflict and to move through those conflicts. And it, it optimism. Yeah, it just it made me feel very hopeful yes. that there were people willing to do that. And I was glad that I was one of those people that I was willing to do that. Yes, um, of course. Yeah. So thank you for your willingness to do it as well and and for everything that you do. And I do look forward to future conversations. So thank you, Cindy. And thank you. how can people um, find you and, and learn more about your work? Yeah. So my website, www.synergycoaching, that's C-I-N-E-R-G-Y coaching.com. Mm-hmm. And that's the best place to see. And there's lots of um, there's free resources and articles and a lot about um, about my work there. So I welcome anybody to go there. Awesome. Well, I will make sure that there's a link to that on the webpage. And yeah, thank you so much for your time and look forward to more. Me too. Thanks a lot, Bill. Thank you. As we come to a close, here's the call to action for you. The next time you find yourself playing armchair psychologist and labeling someone else's behavior, take a time out. Ask what assumptions you're making about the situation and the other person. Check in with your own emotions and motivations. What's your role in the tension? What stories are you telling yourself about what's going on? How can you check out those stories? Even if you are confident that you are right, because maybe you actually are a psychologist, it's always a good idea to question your assumptions by getting curious and releasing your ideas about what's going on in someone else's head. You can use some of the questions Cindy and I discussed to support your self-reflection. What do I think is being undermined? What am I assuming? What else could be going on? What do I need to share with the other person? And remember, you don't have to attend every argument you are invited to. If you have a how can I say this question to submit for a future episode, there are two different ways you can do it. You can use the online submission form at howcanisaythis.com or you can leave a voicemail 24-7 at 562-704-6643. And here's that number again, 562-704-6643. 
And no worries if you don't have a way to write that down. The number is listed on the same page as the online submission form. And no matter how you submit your question, whether you leave a voicemail or you use the form, you can use your name or you have the choice to be completely anonymous if you like. Feel free to ask about a generic situation or get more specific. Either way, we would love to hear from you. Hear from you. Join us for our next episode when I'm joined by etiquette consultant Arden Kleiss. We chat about difficult conversations in the workplace and answer a listener question about how to give and receive possibly embarrassing feedback. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. I also invite you to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. We want to transform as many people as possible and help them have better conversations. And subscribers and reviews help boost the visibility of this podcast so more people can find us. Thank you for your support. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thanks for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.